All right, welcome back. I know we're a day late, but I figured instead of making like a Monday thing, because we have days like yesterday when I was mostly concerned about the hot dog I was eating in the pool I was by. So we're going to do these in like the first business day of the week and then the second to last business day of the week makes sense because, you know, Fridays are Fridays. But I, I figured that worked for everyone else because I don't think anyone hardly did anything yesterday. So that, that was my thoughts at least. But welcome. <laughs> How you doing, Joey? Yep. Doing well, doing well. Yeah, the whole country took off yesterday, so uh, well, most feel good finance took off as well. Yeah, no, I saw a bunch of my friends tweeting. They're like, why the hell am I working? Why am I laboring on Labor Day? And I was like, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> you, you chose to be in retail as a 32-year-old. That's up. That's that's your call, so that is what it is. But Very that's true. not here nor there. Um, so we've gotten a little more organized. We got our things down on a list so that we can keep track of everything. Hopefully, that'll make a, it'll make a lasting impact going forward. Uh, but the first thing I want to talk about is like it's like the talk of the financial world at this point i i've been opening up twitter all day because i just can't get enough of it everyone's talking about it el salvador finally made bitcoin legal tender so i wrote a Substack article on it it was pretty short i wrote it over lunchtime i was sitting there waiting for my friend to get to lunch and um i just i put out my thoughts i was like all right there's pros there's cons and there's like a okay what now so have you heard about this yet um all i know about it is just what i skimmed through of your uh your article that you wrote um earlier in the day i got an email notification skimmed over it while i was working and yeah, uh, sign up for it if you have it yeah so this is this is the first country to do this correct yep and they are you know they're a tiny country it's like it, it kind of came out of nowhere because everyone said look we thought one of the bigger one bigger countries with the infrastructure in place was going to do this so my thoughts on it super briefly were look pros this is an awesome experiment we had to do this eventually because we in america can never do this until we've seen it happen before otherwise we're just going to bootstrap it and it's going to be a mess and take way too long and no one's going to believe in it and the cons are of course that they are doing it in a tiny country and it is basically like a trial run so no one's going to embrace it no one has cell phones like they, they don't they don't have internet access they don't have cell phones hardly the I mean, in all the wealth of the country, the older generation wants nothing to do with it. They're, they don't care. They don't know about it. They're like, whatever. We don't want to deal with this. So I don't, I don't know. I'm really curious. It's going to be an interesting thing to look back on and say, oh, that was the first time we did this. It either A, was a great success and brought them out of poverty or B, fell flat on its face as we kind of expected it to. Yeah, those are great points. And at first, I initially thought, you know, um, it's fantastic for a, a small country like this whose national currency might not be as strong as the U.S. dollar. Yeah, it's not worth anything. Um, in, well, they use the yeah, dollar, actually, because their currency is not worth anything. Yeah. I, so it would make sense for them to give it a try. But then, I, as you pointed out, do they even have, like, the infrastructure, the networks, uh, the Wi-Fi capabilities? Uh, do enough people have smartphones that can even hold a wallet on it um, throughout the whole country to make it? Uh, a uniform currency. So they kind of went around that. The government is, has set up like kiosks and uh, like Bitcoin ATMs kind of sort of. So I don't know if they use cards. I don't know how they use it because you have to think even if you have an ATM, you still need to have internet access. You still need to be able to get to it. You need to create an account, get ready. You need to have a wallet. I mean, this stuff is pretty complex. I was talking about it over the weekend with some good family friends and he, <laughs> one came up to me and said, John, he said, so what's Ethereum? And I was like, oh, crap. I was like, all right, how much time do you have? <laughs> so we, um, it, we, we talked for probably 15 minutes on it. And I said, okay, well, we have to start at the very beginning. And I, I can't go into the show. We'll be here for an hour. It's just too much. So, But the, po the point is, like, 
to understand this world, you have to completely rewire your brain. It's, it's just different than anything we've ever seen. And having a, having a national government accept, accept it as a currency is awesome. <laughs> I mean, no matter, no matter which way it goes, for us, it's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, for America, I think we went out either way. Absolutely. Uh, probably in the end. Yeah. <laughs> for El Salvador, it might not be as much. Nope. Um, yeah. I mean, I hope it works out for them. I wish them all the best. And uh, if it does work out and catch on, then, uh, I mean, that's great for the rest of the world progress. But on the other hand, you got to think, I would, I would gamble and bet that <laughs> your average American probably has about a 10% working knowledge about what cryptos are. Um, Man, they know of them, far. but probably can't explain to you what they are. <laughs> oh, so shoot. then I'm willing to bet that your average El Salvador citizen probably doesn't know the most. And it's not because of, of their country or anything. It's just because I have a feeling that information is much more accessible in the States than it probably is in a, in a country like El Salvador. Right. But even then, nobody actually understands it. It looks different than it did two years ago, which means two years from now, it's going to look different again. Everything's changing. I mean, so I can't remember who, who said it. Someone, someone put this really well. They said, look, this is a different space now, and you have to treat it differently now than it was two years ago because two years ago, everyone was a snake oil salesman. Like they were, this is, this is a paraphrased, almost direct quote. They said, Pretty much everyone on the internet was a charlatan. Like they, they were trying to sell this garbage just to pass it off because they're like, oh, look, digital coin, blah, 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 Dogecoin. It is, it's through that random accidental success that we have actual companies, actual groups, people programming projects that solve problems. These, they actively do solve problems. Like, and it just, the applications work. Like it's stuff that can be used. It's no longer just a, Oh, whoop do you flip and do? We recreated the dollar because nobody cares about that. Like, it, it's not useful. We already have a dollar and we have the Forex exchange. But, all right, I think we've talked that one to death. I, I love it. Read the article if you can um, that I wrote. I think I, I think I put it out pretty well. You know what? I'm going to pat myself on the back here. It's just, it's fun to think about. And my whole point is always like, get excited. This shit is coming. Like, it's, <laughs> it's going to solve problems. Think of, think of the things in your life that are pain points for you and dream up a solution and then go find projects that are actively working to fix those solutions and invest in them. I I'm excited. I love it. If crypto can fix taxes, then let's do it. Bet we can. I'll bet we can, but all right, yep. either way, let's move on. So the next one we have on our list is I think super interesting and it ties into a personal conversation I had last week as well with Matt Brown, who's a good friend of the show that we've had on before. We'll start with the actual topic, which is that the, the you know, wall street, the big investors are having trouble finding, all right, so the core problem is fixed income is completely different. And when I say fixed income, I mean bonds, I mean investments that pay you on a set schedule once a quarter or once, twice a year, something like that. But that's why people used to buy bonds. However, bond interest rates are stupid low. Bonds are worthless right now. There's no reason to own a bond. So people like you and I, myself and yourself have had to go out and basically find alternate investments. One of the really cool ones that I like is Wall, the Wall Street investors are looking for like um, high interest rate uh, loans to individuals to fix up houses and projects and then resell. I think it's a pretty cool idea. It's a physical project that's getting done and the high interest rate ensures that it's getting done quickly. It gets delivered on time. It's good for the city. It's good for the people. It's overall a good thing. But so many people want to be in this like this group of investors that are doing this. <laughs> there aren't enough people flipping houses to give loans to, <laughs> which is a funny problem to have. 
<laughs> it makes you want to get into the real estate space. And, and I know that I know it's much more complicated to get into house flipping than you might think whenever you just see your average TikTok about a 25 year old who's like, buy a house, yeah. flip it, yep. list it on Airbnb financial freedom hashtag profit and then you're a millionaire you're done buy a yacht become <laughs> yeah. an influencer all that garbage yeah yep it's it's much more complicated than that i'm sure and i don't know the ins and outs but i mean the real estate market especially right now what a time to be able to get into it and, and buy up i mean i don't want to call it gentrification but in, in reality I like I mean, rental you properties can, yeah you can take over these properties make them attractive and then resell it it's it's great and if only i mean there's they need more obviously <laughs> well it's it's just that they can't find the loans people want to do it but i don't know it was interesting to hear that they're having that issue and it's mostly in the northeast is what it seems to be in florida i feel like we're having no problem flipping homes and getting right back out there <laughs> like everyone wants to be here but maybe not everyone's taking loans i don't know so matt's idea was really good we, we were talking about this last week on wednesday because at our apartment complex, or my apartment complex, Wednesday is food truck night, which is a very big event over here. We love food truck night. And uh, the food truck came by, and I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs, waiting on my, I don't even remember what I got. It was really good, though. Uh, waiting on it, thinking, why can't I invest in a food truck? Like, why? I don't want to actually do it. Like, no, I want to, like, I want to, I want to provide them funding and then get paid based on my share of the food truck once every quarter or so. Like, why, why can't that be my fixed income? So... I pitched that to Matt and he was like, even better, well, we need like a New York manual labor exchange. It's like the New York Stock Exchange, but you're able to basically invest instead of in people or it, it, instead of companies, it still would be companies, but it'd be more focused on like the people that are doing these projects. We have a general contractor friend down in South Florida. The man works harder than anyone else and he has like the knowledge to do all these things. I was like, yeah, I would totally invest in him if I could. And we're thinking like, you basically, you invest in, these contractors and their projects specifically and you fund the projects that need to get done and then you get rewarded whenever there's a successful project so you're rewarded on a successful bet on a good project that improves an area and helps people that sounds like fun so it's almost like uh it would allow your average consumer kind of like you or i to mm -hmm. become almost an angel investor for lack of a better term yes that's uh, it's funny you say that. that's exactly how he put it. it was like retail angel investing something like that but uh yeah i have the text i'll look through i don't know it just it was fun to, it was fun to think about because it's something we don't talk about enough like everyone's so focused on you know like what's the next stock blah 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 like who, who gives a damn what's fun projects that are actually doing stuff and then for those of you out there who are listening who may not know what an angel investor is that's uh wealthy private investor focused on financing small companies in exchange for taking an equity uh, stake in the firm. So yeah, that's a good call. I'm sorry. Sometimes I forget. We, we speak in pretty plain terms. I was listening to Animal Spirits, which is one of my favorite, favorite nerdy financial podcasts of all time. Uh, Michael and Ben do a great job, but I'm sitting there and I'm like, most people are not going to understand what they're talking about when they're comparing different kinds of IRAs and 401k rollovers over the years. It's like, wait a minute. This is where we differentiate. This is where I think we're a little bit better because we. I try to speak in terms. I know you do the same. Of anyone can understand this. Like this is cool. These are fun things that are happening, and this is how it could actually affect you. Am I am I wrong for thinking that? No, you're definitely right, and I think that's kind of what distinguishes us from some of the other financial podcasts out there. Uh, just like to kind of break it down and make it more understandable for the general public. Because I know without having had I not gone to uh, 
to undergrad, even just to get a basic business degree. I know high schools across the country definitely don't teach what uh, angel investors are or higher A's are to their general student right. uh, population. Well, good. Joey and John for the people, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Helping, uh, helping the uh, public one day at a time. Hopefully entertaining along the way. All right. I have a fun one, and this is, this is kind of a... Um, I don't know how to describe. I don't know. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but it made me chuckle because I called it and I was really happy about it. Toyota finally admitted they were wrong, and I knew this was going to happen. So Toyota, weirdly enough, this doesn't make any sense, but a few years ago, they were like the only car company on the planet that said, we absolutely refuse to make any promises about electric cars because we, we don't think they're the way to go. They're too expensive, and it doesn't fit with us, blah, 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 blah. They finally this week admitted... Yeah, maybe that was a stupid thing to say. Yeah, it was stupid. And we call it, like even Ford, GM and all like all the stupid American companies that are like throw a V8 and everything. They were like, yeah, no, we, we accept that this is the way that people are going. We're going to make a big fat investment in this. So Toyota's, I think they're pumping out like, I can't remember. Maybe you have the article up. Yeah, $9 billion on electric car battery plants. And you're like, whoa, billion. That's a ton of money. Wait a second. I've got some, <laughs> I've got some better, uh, better numbers for you. So the only reason they hadn't invested so far is because it is so goddamn expensive to build these batteries and to do the mining and get the materials, put them together, takes a while to charge, et cetera. That gets cheaper every single day. We're getting closer and closer. Like, the, I mean, shoot, all the electric, the electric trucks that are coming out, like the big ones, there's several projects I follow. None are more expensive, the full size, over $45,000. Go try to buy a full size F-150 for $45,000, see what happens. <laughs> No luck. <laughs> Any diesel truck, you're looking at like 80000 It's crazy. So Taiwan Semiconductor Company, which is the largest, I think they're the largest semiconductor something. I don't know. They make the chips and shit that goes in your phones. That's all I know. And that's all you need to know about it. They're spending over $100 billion in the next three years. As Samsung is spending over $205 billion in the next three years. And so all I could think, so like, I mean, whatever, those numbers are numbers. They're all arbitrary. There's one conclusion, I think, to draw from these three things. All three of these giant companies are firmly secure in their belief that the semiconductor shortage is going to continue for at least three more years, or else they would not have invested in it. They would have, they would have never spent that money. So they are betting really big that we're going to have shortages for the next three years. I, should we be worried about that? <laughs> I think so. I mean, you still see supply chains messed up. Um, in every sector, I mean, you go into grocery stores and maybe one shelf is bare and it's not because people are buying it all up, but it's because they can't get a trucker to drive something there. That's and true. I'm not saying that all stems to the semiconductor issue, but you're still seeing even Sony can't produce enough PS5s for their general public. Yep. Um, you don't have enough Xbox Series Xs yet. And sure enough, I'm sure it stems all the way up to vehicles and cars and especially electric vehicles. I mean, this could be an issue, I still think, up until 2023, maybe, 2024. And I'm a glass half full kind of guy. I've been saying the whole time, we're going to fix it. And it worries me that they're investing that far out. It takes so long to build these things. Like, they're, they're not going to have these plants ready <laughs> for at least a year apiece. Like, they, they take forever. So, I don't know. I think they're going to flop on it. I think we're going to fix it. I think someone's going to come up with a really cool solution and fix it cheaper before that happens. I hope so, because the global economy and, and all the products coming out are definitely not slowing down. I mean, what, uh -uh. we get a new iPhone every single year, and on top of that, you got a new Galaxy every single year. There's I'm sure there's going to be a new version of the, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a new version of the PS5 by this time next year that's going to come out. I'm sure Xbox will have theirs shortly after, so. Yeah, stuff the, is moving the, so fast. 
Yeah, there's definitely, um, I don't think you can have enough of these semiconductor chips in the world right now. That's for sure. No, keep them moving. And I would, you know, obviously we have to say that it's not financial advice or anything, but if find companies that beat these big companies to the market, if they say, yeah, we're doing this in the next year instead of three years, I'd invest in that. I'd invest in that right away. I just can't find anyone that does it. <laughs> yeah, if you see one pop up, let me know because I will be ready to take a serious look at it. Seriously. All right. So we're going to move on. So CoStar, which is a massive commercial real estate, uh, they, they do all sorts of information. They're, they're like the, the premium of all the commercial real estate news and stuff. They've got a great platform. So they did, a, they did an awesome map. It was, uh, it's titled Employment Recovery by State Based on Three-Month Average Growth. It's a whole lot of words to basically say what they predict each state, how long each state is going to take to recover their pre-pandemic employment. Here's why I think that just does not matter. I think it's kind of stupid. We have one erased jobs because people have people are no longer employed; they're self-employed. We, I mean, yeah. My boy Naval Ravikant has an awesome quote, and he says, "Once you get a taste of freedom, you may become unemployable." It's true. A whole lot of people became unemployable after 2020. They figured out they like running their own business, and they can do it because they're delivering the same goods that we were getting before in a better way. That's great. So, I, I think stuff like this is almost kind of like supposed to look scarier than it is. But there was also some really interesting things. So get this, Alaska, uh, Utah, Wyoming, Idaho, and Kentucky have all, have all gotten the jobs back they had since 2019. Uh, they got them back July, so like that's not super new. They recovered pretty well. The ones that are supposed to basically never recover are like North Dakota, Oklahoma, and Virginia. North Dakota has a projected 124 months to reach pre-pandemic level. So the second point to this, I think, is that so many people looked at what their living situation was. Maybe they were out in the middle of nowhere or something like that. And they said, yeah, we don't really want to live like this. And then they moved. People moved. Like, it's, we have migrated to different places. So jobs have changed. I think we're looking at it the wrong way now. Yeah, I agree. The pandemic took, uh, caused the whole public... Um, really the whole country to take a look at their life and and just ask yourself, is this really what I want to be doing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think life it rose short. a bunch of yeah, it rose a bunch of questions of mortality, I think. Yep. Uh, a lot of people questioned what they were doing every day. Let's say you lost your job and started your own business. Now you're making enough money to survive and you don't have to report to anyone. And you feel so much better about yourself because you're doing something you believe in that you wanted to do. Yep. That's Why would you thing. ever want to go back? Yeah, no, we've, we've totally hit the point to like the kind of like postmodern point where we can start to focus on that kind of thing. Like as long as we produce the same amount. So I had to, ah, oh, man, I got into this argument with another friend of mine over the weekend. He said, John, aren't you worried about inflation? We're printing money like crazy. And I said, no, it doesn't matter. He said, how could you say that? I said, well, one, printing money in itself is an, it's, it's a non-argument. It doesn't matter because if that money doesn't get spent, nobody cares. Half of this money is being spent on cryptocurrency stuff and half it's going bust anyways. Like. <laughs> for for all the money you're printing, I'm not worried about it. We're just we're we're funneling it into other projects and some of those projects are getting rewarded. I think we are seeing the most fluid market of all time and it is beautiful. So every time and he's a big consumer of the mainstream media, so I'm sorry if you're listening to this. I you know, you know how we feel about that kind of crap. But I was sitting there and I was like, no, you, I mean, you're sucking up the information that they're feeding you and it's information that doesn't matter. It does not matter. Think about everything else that's going on. We're, we're able to produce the same amount of goods and services marginally. I know there are shortages. I get that. 
but almost the same amount that we were at. And so many more people are out running their own businesses happier, not under a corporate umbrella. Yeah. And any type of information or news given to you, not in a certain context, I mean, you can, you can twist anything. Like I can Literally say anything without any proof at all. I can say, yeah, uh, this is going to cause a ton of inflation and create mass panic. I could get on Twitter right now and tweet that and say, look out all this money we're printing. Cool. Look out for that inflation in 2024 mm-hmm. and people will panic and you know, half of Twitter will agree with me and half would fight me on it. Oh God. Yeah. But <laughs> that's why it's important to do your own research before drawing conclusions. And that's one thing we harp on here at feel good finance is just to educate yourself before jumping to conclusions, because a lot of this money is being reinvested. Like John said, back in other products and projects like Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, the housing market. Um, It's not like it's just sitting idle on a shelf, not mattering and collecting dust or just being blown on consumer products, even though I do know a lot of people that went out and bought a new set of golf clubs with their uh, stimulus checks. Yeah, but that's good. They're funding the economy. Yeah, it's all going back into the economy one way or another. Yeah, it all gets moved. I so well, yeah. I mean, my whole my whole point of bringing that up was it was it was more so along the lines of like, the world has changed. Things are a little bit different, and I, and the damn problem is that every time this happens, and we're like, okay, now it's different. It again, there's a you know big correction, and we all sit there and go, wow, why didn't we see it this time? But I firmly do believe things are different. Like. Technology is exponentially changing things, which is wonderful. So maybe, you know, glass half full kind of thing. Maybe we're good or maybe I'm wrong and we're not good, but I hope I'm right. (laughs) Yeah, things are definitely different. I mean, look at the way we do business now. Office buildings are empty across the nation still. Big pain point in my industry. Large billion dollar companies that have still not gone gone back to the office because their production is the same, if not better, with their employees and sales force working from home. Yep. People, power to the people and all that. But uh, you know, so this actually kind of works out. The next topic does feed onto that point. So BlackRock, which if you, if you didn't know BlackRock, they're, they're, like a, they're like the silent partner that runs the entire world. They own everything. They're, like a, they're a fund company in essence, but there's so much more than that. They just own stuff. They just own everything. So seriously, it's hard for me to put in essence what BlackRock is besides just saying an asset manager that owns everything. BlackRock has put a big old investment in blockchain, which again, I'm gonna have to, do, we'll have to do like a short one to explain that kind of stuff. Cause I know if anyone else is, if, if, you know, new listeners are gonna be like, well, what's a blockchain? I'm like, well, trust me, I understand why you're confused. It's tough to explain. But point being, they are invested in the same technology that the retail traders are so obsessed with and that I do believe is taking over the world slowly but surely. Uh, they invest in a platform called Veris, V-E-R-I-S. And it's, it's mostly just about like verifying um, transactions. So pretty basic stuff, but point being, whenever you get a ginormous company like BlackRock on your technology, it further proves, like it, it, it proves the idea, which is what you want really. Yeah, so whenever a company like that backs you, then obviously there's some merit. And like you said, it proves kind of what you're working towards. Absolutely. So it kind of jump starts it all of a sudden. I mean, you see BlackRock going on something and like, all right, they're legit. And then now you want to go in on it. Yep. We have Visa. That's not financial advice. Yep. Oh, I understand. (laughs) Definitely not financial advice, but it it is, it's definitely a good sign. I guess you could say it's a good sign for that company. Yep. They're enormous. I, I wouldn't even know what to do with them. Um, okay. So we'll move on. Super interesting, fun to touch on. This was, this was just posted. I saw it on LinkedIn. It passed over my feed. Uh, Telosa, Telosa, whatever, T-E-L-O-S-A. 
is a futuristic city that some crazy billionaire is proposing in the desert. And he's calling it the 15 minute city where you can get anywhere in the city within 15 minutes and it's all about equity you know, and everyone owns everything, blah, blah, blah. It sounds like socialist paradise, which is not a bad or good thing. I'm not taking a side on that at all, but I do think it's an interesting idea. And he is seeking uh, this small loan of $400 billion to, uh, to get that thing funded and thrown in a desert somewhere. So you gotta check this out. Google Telosa, T-E-L-O-S-A. It's just an awesome idea to look at and see like, what if, like, this place is like Wakanda. It's really cool. The picture is fascinating. Definitely go ahead and give your, uh, give it a Google. It's Check funky it out. looking, isn't it? And what I immediately thought of, um, the type of community they want it to be, it makes me think of Walt Disney's original uh, vision for what Epcot was supposed to be. I'm not sure if you ever heard what Epcot stood for, what he wanted it to be, but he proposed it before he passed away. And it, Epcot stands for Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. I did and not know whole, that. That's awesome. Yep. Yep. And it originally wasn't supposed to be a theme park. It was supposed to be a community. He wanted it to be the center of life in the very center. And then it would branch out. And it was so intricate, intricate. I couldn't tell you the, um, the details off the top of my head, but he had it, the suburbs all branching out from the supermarkets and it was all segmented. And he was going to invite people to come live in his prototype community. And then obviously he passed away, uh, suddenly and his brother, actually took over the project and took a look at it and was like, I am not my brother. I cannot do this. So it became what it is today. Uh, amusement park with, you know, futuristic world and yeah, then the facts, the world showcase. It's but still pretty yeah, the original idea was supposed to be a uh, community. I did not know that. I think that's awesome. That's been a huge uh, conversation point, I guess, in the commercial real estate world recently is that we, we've said, look, cities in the past were built like real estate projects are built nowadays, which is they're built with the intention to be sold to someone and to divide up ownership. And, you know, I kind of I kind of feel like we have to rethink how we do cities. That's why we have so many failed cities and so many failed sectors. I, I could I'm sure with a little bit of research could write a whole blog on a couple of great examples. But you have to think about that when you're walking around, you're like, OK, why don't I feel great here? This wasn't designed for people. It was designed to make a profit, basically. So if we start designing our communities differently from now on, you know, the entrance of smart contracts into the world, we can actually think about how we want to do these things, improves quality of life for everyone. And at the same time, creating value does lead to more money. So you don't lose the profit. It just may be more expensive, which is why, of course, and a lot of developers cut corners. Uh, either way, yeah. it gets you thinking. It's the what ifs, right? Yeah. And then I think, again, think about when these cities, most of the modern day cities, the large ones were built. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a completely different world, completely different era. And oh, they, yeah. meant, they were meant to serve completely different purposes than what we utilize that space for today. And we just have so progressed so much in terms of technology, thinking, um, social dynamics. Yep. The uh, way we really live in everything. is different. Yeah, what we deem a family is even. Think about mm -hmm. how you know, the nuclear family used to be the ideal family and just even the roles in the family, it's all changed. Yep. So hundred percent. I mean, you come out with more like a, more like a fluid type of look. Have you ever been down a road, like driving down a road and all of a sudden you realize, Oh, this road was made for horses. <laughs> this is, this is uh, definitely not a car road. <laughs> <laughs> you go out to rural PA, you got a lot of those. And then, oh yeah. And then you'll have your Amish folk in their horse and buggy and 
just go right around them, wave, hello. Yeah, the right <laughs> the right part of the Northeast, you can definitely find that. A little, it's a little more rare in Florida, but we still have a couple that are out there. That's what our one aunt who lives on a farm. I think you know you know the aunt I'm talking about. I do. Uh, anytime we would go up there when we were young, you always see uh, the Amish, and I'm pretty sure her neighbors are Amish as well. So lots of that. horses and buggies. It's really it's it's always fascinating to me that people still live like that, and they're probably a whole lot happier than the rest of us. But it, that's not here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I yep. feel like yeah, I'm hooked on my iPhone. I love it. I don't really want to give it up. Yep, they got me attached and plugged into the uh, the digital universe. So. True. Get itchy. All right. So let's do our company highlight and we can wrap up. This is a little one I found. I haven't done that much research into it, but it's a company called Wallbox. One word, Wallbox. And so they are an electric charger manufacturer. So probably two years ago, I was super, super bullish on this idea. And I said to one of my good buddies that we like to invest together, I said, look, find companies that are developing the infrastructure for the, to charge the electric cars. Those are the ones you want to invest in. We tried a couple, none of them really did that well. They were all, you know, it's the, they were on like the hype train, the meme stock type of thing. But this company is absolutely serious and you can't trade it because they went public via a uh, SPAC, SPAC, special purpose acquisition company, which in essence, touch on again, is pretty much just a big fat group of people with a shoot load of money come in and say, all right, we have all this money and you have a great idea. You can't afford to go public. We are going to reverse merge with you, take you public, and then you do whatever. These things got really popular last year and then most of them have fallen flat on their faces because you start to realize, oh wait, most companies couldn't go public for a reason. So it's probably better that you can't actually invest in this. I have no idea where it's going, but I'd give them a look up. It's really interesting. I was going to try to get in touch with them, see if they wanted to be on the show or something like that. I just, that, that's my new, that's my new thing is I'm, I love talking. I just love talking to these companies. They have such cool ideas, but either way, Wallbox and they manufacture electric chargers. I'm excited. We need to do the infrastructure somehow. Yeah, I agree. And it can't all just be monopolized to the companies that are producing them, making these things. You got to think there's going to be your off brand chargers like the Wallbox. Um, think about all the off-brand people that produce iPhone chargers nowadays. These companies are out there. They exist. And, you know, at least a handful of them are going to make it through to the other side and uh, see some type of uh, usefulness, effectiveness, success, I guess, um, over the next 10 years. I sure hope so. Well, you know, the whole point of it is obviously push the envelope forward and just keep the bigs on their toes. Exactly. Because if Tesla is the only one making the charger, then it's going to cost you a couple thousand dollars to get it installed in your house yeah it would, it's always better to have more people in the market but either way that wraps up what i've got uh do you have anything else uh no nope nothing else for today okay let's rock your quote and wrap up all right i don't know if i anyone out there has read matthew mcconaughey's book called green lights but i have a quote <laughs> yeah. from mcconaughey himself the man the myth the legend and uh, it is a quote he picked up while traveling overseas in, I believe it was India. Could have been a country in Africa, not sure. Well, he was but the quote the was from a local. And uh, the story is really interesting. So you got to read the book to hear the whole story. But essentially, a local told him, it is not about being right or wrong. It is about, do you understand? So I love that. Let that one sink. Yeah. No, Nabel says the same thing a lot. And I talk, I talk about him a ton just because I like him so much, Modern Philosopher. He has a good one where it's like, the winners and losers truly don't matter. It's did you come out of the exchange with more information than before? It's like, yeah, love that stuff. Right? Yep. The world could use a little bit more understanding, a little bit less trying to be right all the, all the time. Absolutely. So I don't have a quote for you, but I do have an interesting recommendation. So I know we talked about the fixer-upper loans. 
So if you've never watched South Park before, one, I feel very sorry for you. You should definitely change that. Uh, but two, South Park does a great episode on this, uh, The Fixer Uppers. It, the name of the episode is White People Renovating Homes. Absolutely watch it. You will be laughing your ass off. It is so funny. So I, have you seen it? I'm going to have to go watch that tonight because I don't think I've seen that episode. Yeah, it, it's like a few seasons old, but uh, it's great. Totally hits, it hits the nail on the head because that was, that was like all everyone did three years ago. But all right, either way, that's what we've got, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, that's it. Okay, enjoy your week. We'll be back shortly Friday morning per usual. Yep, see you Friday.